Turn your Bible to Psalm 85, please. Psalm 85. The message this morning is a, is, well, the announced message in the bulletin, Who Cares If Men Are Lost? I love to preach that. Lee Kennedy turned to me and he said, you know that's about the third sermon you preached when you came to Glendale 41 years ago. And I said, Brother Lee, it'll be a different form today. The, the message that God has laid on my heart relates to really who cares if men are lost, but it basically relates to each of us. How many of you were saved in a revival meeting? Lift your hands. Just real high. All right. How many of you were saved in a Sunday service? Lift your hand. How many of you were saved at home? Lift your hand. All right. So we're, there are different uh, places where we're saved, but we're all saved by grace through faith. In Psalm 85, we have a psalm of revival. A psalm, P-S-A-L-M, of revival. And I want to read part of this. Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin, Selah. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Restore, O God, restore us, God of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out the, thine anger to all generations? Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? Revival has to do with a reliving among God's people. There cannot be a revival if there's not been some life. You can raise the dead, a resurrection, you can turn over a new leaf. The natural man can do that. But only a saved person can have revival. Sometimes we misunderstand that. We set a dates for a revival on the calendar. And what we're really saying is we want a big evangelistic thrust. We want about 200 people saved. And my heart craves that too. But for there really to be revival and that kind of evangelism, the people called by the name of God must get serious about the things of God. And I want to ask you this morning, when you came to church, was it business as usual? Or did you pause to pray when you first got up, Lord, do something unusual today. Do something in my heart, in the heart of our family. Do something in my church's heart. Do something in America that would give some token, some evidence that there's a revival going on. Now this chapter tells us how to have revival. Number one, rehearse the blessings of God. Look back with gratitude. Listen, Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. God has been so good to America. This is the greatest nation on earth. We've had more light than any nation that has ever existed. Far more than anything in Europe. Even during the Reformation, America has had a church on every corner. 
a gospel program on every radio station, a televangelist on every television station. And the gospel has gone out to the ends of the earth until we are gospel hardened. I don't mean the lost. Frankly, you go to the lost, try to talk to them about Jesus, more of them are interested than saved people. There are cold, clammy Christians who care very little about the things of God and they get offended when you say God's people ought not to drink liquor. They get offended when you say God's people ought to avoid the gambling dens. God's people ought to avoid extramarital sex. They get offended. They say, well, we'll go down the street to another church where we don't have to hear that. I want to tell you, when God's people called by His name hear the Word of God and rejoice over the blessings God has given us, then there's going to be revival. Listen to this. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Because of sin, they went into Babylonian captivity, into Assyrian captivity, and now this is after the captivity, and, there's, and, and the people of God are saying, you brought us back. It's like you brought us back from the terrible dearth of the depression years. You brought us back from the awful World War II. You brought us back from the Vietnam War. You brought us back from the Korean War. Lord, you've done wonderful things in our nation, and we praise you and thank you. No wonder we sang this morning, we praise thee, O God, for the son of thy love, for Jesus who died and has now gone above. Look in verse 2. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Did you know you've been forgiven? Your sins are under the blood if you've been saved. When God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees the blood of Jesus that cleanses from all sin. What does God do with our sin? He puts them behind his back. He puts them in the sea of forgetfulness. He remembers them against us no more. And you come to God and say, oh, Lord, 10 years ago, eight years ago, six years ago, last year, Lord, this awful sin, it left its mark on me. And God says, what sin are you talking about? It's under the blood. Brother, if that's not grounds for rejoicing and drawing near to the heart of God and saying, Lord, I love you. I love you. I don't love you like I ought to love you, but Lord, revive my heart. I want to serve you. Now look at the next thing. Verse 3, thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from fierceness of thine anger. Restore us, O God of our salvation. Cause thine anger toward us to cease. In other words, God is not angry with us anymore. Well, you say, when was God ever angry with us? The Bible says, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And the wrath of God abideth on him. Before I was saved, the wrath of God abided on me. Young people over here in the junior group, before you're saved, the wrath, the anger of God abides on you. You say, they're too young. I remember when I was five, if somebody showed me how to be saved, I could have been saved. I don't have much use for people who say, well, these kids, they come, they say they're saved. They don't know what they're doing. That's what my dad said when I was saved. He said, you're too young. You don't know what you're doing. Thank God I had a godly mother and a godly pastor. And he encouraged me to go on with God. 
And I went on and was baptized and served the Lord. Young people, if God speaks to your heart, respond. Even if mom and dad don't understand. If other brothers and sisters don't understand. If some adults don't understand. You do what God's Spirit says to your heart to do. And no matter what age we are, let the Holy Spirit come and take control and send a great revival in my soul. Now, we need to... We need to uh, not only to rehearse the blessings, we need to request the power. Notice uh, verse 4 and 5. Restore, O God, of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? He want revival at Glendale Baptist Church. You want revival in Richard Oldham's heart, in our deacon's heart, in our choir heart, in the church. You want revival? We need to request it. It's that simple. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin. I'll heal their land. There must be great repentance on our part. In order for there to be great repentance, there must be some remembrance of what it was before we came to Christ. The tragedy of it all. The wasted years of it all. There's a song that says, Have you wandered along life's pathway? Have you lived without love a life of tears? Have you searched for the great hidden meaning? Or is your life filled with long wasted years? Wasted years. Oh, how foolish. As you miss out on God's hall of fame, turn around, turn around. God is calling. He's calling you from a life of wasted years. There are people to whom I speak this morning by radio and in the audience. You're going through the motions of religion. But it really hasn't affected your life. It hasn't given you a spirit of day-by-day repentance. Sometimes, and I'm not trying to be personal or offensive, sometimes we see an unwed mother and our minds start racing and thinking, why that low-down girl, she had sex outside of marriage and the baby comes and you won't have anything to do with it. Shame. It is not that baby's fault. And you and I need to treat others like God treats us. With love. How much do you love? God. And God stretched out his arms on Calvary. He said, I love you this much. And so must we request a spirit of revival. Request something in your heart that only God can do. Thirdly, realize the answer. Look beginning in verse 8. Notice, I will hear what God the Lord will speak. He will speak peace unto his people and to his saints. 
but let them not turn again to folly. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that glory may dwell in the land. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. Righteousness shall go before him, and shall set us in the way of his steps. You see, God has already answered. He's not going to answer. His answer is already there. The Bible says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And whom he did predestinate them, he also called. And whom he called them, he also justified. And whom he justified them, he also glorified. With God, the whole thing is already finished. And did you know that when God looks at you and me, he doesn't see our sins. Our advocate, the Father, the Lord, the Son of God, stands up before the Father and says, I, I plead his cause. I died for him. My blood covers his sins. And the stroke of God comes down, case dismissed. You're God's child. Now, is that a license for sin? Is that a license to go on going on in your wasted years? I think not. It is God's plan that we all come close to his heart and say, Lord, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you myself. When we do that, Jesus saves. The song a moment ago, Ship Ahoy, closed with Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. And you know, not only does he save us from hell, Salvation is in three tenses. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He saves us from hell. Number two, he saves us from ourself and sin. Sin shall no more have dominion over you. And number three, he saves you into his presence. Past, present, future. In the past, he saved us from the death penalty in hell. Presently, he is saving us from the power of sin. In the future, he will save us from the very presence of sin. Jesus saves, and he's able to save to the uttermost all who will come to God by him. Now, if you're saved, seek revival. Revival comes when we repent of our sin, when we're made God conscious of our sin, and we ask God to cleanse us and forgive us. Those who Go and play the pinball machines or the electronic machines and waste all your money there and your time there. A lot of people use computers for their research and for their business. Others use... And, and, ...and be foolish on it. And it takes up all your time that you could be reading the Word of God with. Some, thank God, have put Bible readings on their computer and God is using that. But I want to tell you, in an age when there's so much technical science and scientific techn technic technicality, it is important that we put guards on our schedule lest we go into sin. Well, what shall we do then in light of all this? First of all, 
There needs to be a great desire in our heart to see people saved. How much do we really want somebody to be saved? I'm wondering if this morning, how many of us can think of some name, some person that's on our heart, and we'd say, Lord, I want that person for Christ. And then we need the gold of godly character in our lives. Godly character. And then we need the silver of soul's concern. Lord, where will this person spend eternity? Years ago, out on the ships in the sea, they would get a big mega horn, and when one ship would cross another, he would crawl out, call out, Whither bound? And the response would come back, Dublin, New York, or wherever. You and I need to do that. Whether bound, heaven. Whether bound, I don't know, I don't know. Eternal lostness. We need the precious stones of a prayer life. Praying God's power upon people. Now if we're going to live that kind of life, a revival life, we need to be godly. We need to remind others of Jesus. The story is told of a great castle in London and a man, sort of a humble man, went to the door to knock on the door. He wanted to talk to those people about Jesus. He knocked on the door and the butler came to the door. And the man said, I would like to see the Lord of the home. That's what they call him in England. Well, the butler said, uh, I'll see if he can see you. So he went back into the library of that great castle. He said, there's a gentleman at the door who wants to see you. And the man said gruffly, who is it? And the butler said, I don't really know, but he looks like Jesus. Have you been mistaken for Jesus lately? Years ago in the days before they had modern medicines like we have, a preacher friend tells about his son that got diphtheria. And the doctor said, you can see your boy, but you'll have to wear this gown and this mask, and you can go in and stand by him. So the preacher put on his mask and the gown and went in and stood by his little boy. The little boy looked up and said, Daddy, why are you dressed like that? And Daddy said, son, you have a serious illness. And Daddy don't want to take these germs to other boys and girls so they'll get sick. After a little while, the little boy said, Daddy, am I very sick? Yes, son, that's what the doctor says. After a few moments of silence, the little boy looked up and said, Daddy, am I going to die? And the Daddy said, son, that's what the doctor says. But you're not afraid to die, are you? And that little boy said, Daddy, if God's like you, I'm not afraid to die. If God's like you, I'm not afraid to die. Has anybody mistaken you for Jesus? Have you gotten as close to his heart so that cynicism and criticism and all those kind of things go out of your life? And you stand before the Lord and say, thank you, Lord, like Janice did a while ago. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you that somebody came to me and I want to go to them about Jesus. Let's bow our heads in prayer, please. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but Jesus washed it white as snow. We come to the end of this service. Some of you have someone on your heart. Maybe it's yourself. Maybe it's your wife or husband. Maybe it's your son or daughter. Maybe it's your brother or sister, mother or daddy, a friend down the street, a neighbor. If you have somebody you'd like to see saved, bring that name to your conscious memory right now. In a moment, I'm going to be standing at the front. And if you would trust me with that holy, sacred thought, I'd like to ask you to just come by and whisper that name and then go and kneel asking God to touch that one. Our Father, we thank you that Jesus indeed paid it all. All to him I owe, sin left a crimson stain, but Jesus washed it white as snow. We pray that someone here without Jesus will come to Christ. This will be a day of victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please.